What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Osmo Daily NFL Newsroom. Thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Kyle Dvorak. Find me on Twitter at KyleTweets here. This is the show where I break down every piece of training camp news we get, talk about the fantasy relevancy or the irrelevancy, given how much of what we're seeing right now is simply just coach speak. It's stuff that coaches love to say about X player looking in the best shape of their career, but necessarily that doesn't mean there's any relevancy to fantasy. So it's important to parse through what matters, what we can use to project what's going to happen in week one going forward, and what is just simply not uh, not relevant to the conversation. Before we get into that, I do want to remind you to go to osmo.com forward slash fantasy dash football to check out our awesome draft kit. So much cool stuff going on over there. Osmo sleepers, busts, breakouts, the draft wingman, which helps you build optimal season-long and best ball teams, and our strength of schedule tool, which you can customize to fit exactly how you want to build your rosters. I have an article up, how to build a breakout quarterback using the strength of schedule tool. So a bunch of cool stuff going on there. Now let's get into the news. First piece of news we have is Falcons offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter. Todd Gurley should see between 15 and 25 touches per game. Cutter specifically said that he wants Gurley to see at least 15 touches per game, and he expects him to top out at about 25 touches. And this is important to know because we've seen so much news, even dating back to his time in Los Angeles specifically, that Todd Gurley has been really banged up. Those knees just can't hang in the NFL anymore, unfortunately. So this is important to know, at least that Todd Gurley does have a touch floor. But uh, it's interesting that they're already talking about how many touches they expect him to get instead of just letting him run free. So not not a ton of action here, but interesting to know that Cutter's already thinking about how many touches he wants Todd Gurley to get. Next piece of news, a Brandon Ayuk update. Brandon Ayuk has a mild hamstring strain. 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan referred to Brandon Ayuk's hamstring strain as mild on Tuesday. He didn't commit to whether Ayuk would be ready for week one. This news sounds generally positive on Ayuk. It's tough to pull much from it, but it doesn't guarantee he's available to play, and it doesn't guarantee that he is 100% for the 49ers opener. If he is healthy, Ayuk will almost certainly be a starting player on this team in two or three receiver sets at the minimum. He could be the starting number one receiver. Debo Samuel isn't a lock for week one, while well, Richie James Jr. looks unlikely to suit up then. Jalen Hurd is already set to miss all of 2020 with an ACL injury, unfortunate for Jalen Hurd. That leaves Ayuk the explosive first-round rookie as the potential number one receiver and number two overall target option behind George Kittle in his first NFL game. Osmo's rankings have him as an awesome value in the middle of the double-digit rounds of fantasy drafts. Moving on, Antonio Gibson, Washington's running back, getting reps with the first team in camp. He wasn't exclusively getting reps 
with the first team. J.D. McKissick also got some reps while Adrian Peterson took the bulk of the first team reps, but it's important to note that Gibson is getting mixed in, and that's kind of what we expect from his rookie season. It's not that he takes over entirely, but he's able to make splash plays. He's able to make a difference while Adrian Peterson sops up those between the tackles, not awfully fantasy valuable touches, but Darius Geis no longer on the team in Washington. We're going to, they're going to have to lean on a guy like Peterson and then give Gibson a lot of touches Gibson is an interesting option, specifically as a pass catcher. That was his calling in college. He was basically this wide receiver running back hybrid. He got a lot of carries as a receiver. He got a lot of receptions as a running back. He played receiver both in high school and in college at Memphis. And the reason he wasn't getting more reps at running back is because they had guys like Tony Pollard, guys like Daryl Henderson. So it makes sense that he is able to do so much with so little on his touches, but just doesn't get the ball a ton. That could be what we see again in Washington in his first season. So a guy who's got an interesting value here coming up in the middle to the end of the single digit rounds. He's a guy who you could have gotten a lot later in drafts earlier in the year, but now he's still a guy who interesting value, especially a great zero RB candidate for teams looking for that splash play touchdown upside from a running back. Next one, just a fun one. I'm not sure if it's going to make much of a difference in fantasy. Panthers signing former XFL wide receiver Cam Phillips. Cam Phillips was a god in the XFL for the Houston Roughnecks. Legitimate MVP candidate. He led the league in every receiving category with a 31 reception, 455 receiving yard, and nine touchdown line. He more than doubled the touchdown totals of the number two player, Donald Parham. Phillips also won player of the week twice. He's a late addition to camp, so that makes it difficult for him to really crack that 53-man final roster, but it would be interesting to see, and he does have rapport with the backup quarterback in Carolina, Philip Walker, so interesting to note there. Not sure if it'll end up being much fantasy relevancy. Jacksonville, Tyler Eifert showing a strong connection with Gardner Minshew. Sports Illustrated's John Shipley has noted that Tyler Eifert and Gardner Minshew are showing a strong connection in camp. I mean, this has to be good news for Jags fans because Eifert is in line to play almost all of their snaps at tight end. Second-year tight end Josh Oliver recently underwent a foot surgery that's going to cost him all of 2020. Eifert played his first full season ever in 2019. The closest he ever came was 15 full games in his rookie season and has never been fully healthy since. Largely, what his calling has been is being a touchdown scorer including that 13-touchdown season a few years ago. He's never peaked 650 yards in a single season, though. That's that's where he gets his money, is touchdowns. And we're going to need to see improvements from Gardner Minshew for that to happen. So if you're drafting Eifert, you are necessarily making a bet that Gardner Minshew is able to throw a lot of touchdowns. So as a full-time starter, he's worth a deep flyer, but I really think it's important to stack him with Minshew if that's the bet you're going to make. Moving on, next piece of news, Sony Michel returns to practice. He is he was practicing Wednesday. I believe he was still practicing off to the side, not getting full reps, but he's back, so that's interesting to note, especially as the Damian Harris hype was getting, I don't want to say out of control, but it was getting up there in terms of a guy who got four carries in his rookie season. And it wasn't because he wasn't healthy. He was a healthy scratch numerous times. So Sony Michel coming back, probably expected to be the lead back again, but you look 3.6 yards per carry, can't hit a thousand yards last year, was largely inefficient and doesn't have a role as a receiver out of the backfield as James White ties up all of those targets. It's really hard to bet on anyone outside of James White in this backfield. Just so difficult when we know Sony Michelle is likely to be inefficient. When we know Damian Harris was completely sold out by his team, did not even try to get him a shot in his rookie season. So not really much interest in the between the tackles players on this team. Moving on, New York Jets' Chris Hogan getting plenty of first-team reps in camp. The Jets recently signed Hogan over the summer. They have really not many options to go to. Denzel Mims, Brashad Perriman, and Vincent Smith have all been banged up. Denzel Mims 
may or may not be ready for week one. Perriman's injury looks much less severe. Vincent Smith seems unlikely to be ready for week one. So that is likely that two of their three receivers, starting receivers and three receiver sets are out in that trio. So yeah, Chris Hogan going to get a lot of snaps. If their guys get healthy, Chris Hogan will probably be sent back to the bench. Hogan is a guy who's on his third team in as many years and has never been really fantasy relevant outside of a few spot starts for New England. He's a guy that if you have six years in the NFL and you don't break out, it's unlikely that the seventh is the magic number. Moving on, this was interesting. Bears, David Montgomery suffers a non-contact groin injury and had to be carted off until that account was recanted. He was able to walk off in his own power. The optics did not look good, but uh, it seems like he is at least not being carted off. He was able to get up and move on his own power, which is important because it means that uh, he at least has a chance to play this season, whereas typically when you get carted off with that type of injury, that's the end of your season. So not sure what his status is going to be for week one. Backfield behind him is, is very light. Tariq Cohen would be the primary beneficiary only because the guys behind Tariq Cohen are really not that interesting. Ryan Nall and Artavis Pierce, both Oregon State running backs and both really not getting much run as running backs at Oregon State. Artavis Pierce didn't top 100 carries until his final season and he still couldn't go over a thousand yards only scored seven times, did get some run as a receiver, but that's not really the skill set they need. They just need a guy to consume carries because that's what David Montgomery did in his rookie season. Maybe Ryan Nall would be the guy, but Ryan Nall looks like a fullback. 6'2", 234 when he ended the league, also played for Oregon State, got some carries in college, 147 and 165 in his final two seasons, still didn't top a thousand yards, and did get also run as a receiver. So he's probably the guy you want to look to, even though he is more of a fullback build. He got those carries and he got those targets in college. So an interesting mix of skill sets for his size, but still not a guy that if you're a Chicago fan, you want your team turning to. I think Tariq Cohen is going to be much more of a beneficiary than people believe. Cohen, I mean, when he came into the league, 5'6", 179, but supposedly he's bulked up closer to 190, so he has at least that thick build, maybe can handle more carries. In the NFL, he hasn't typically been used between the tackles. In his three seasons, he only has four games over double-digit carries and none over 15, but when you look at his college resume, he was an absolute killer at North Carolina A&T. In his final college season, he went over 20 carries in six games. He went over 200 yards on the ground alone in four games with another game where he goes over 100 as a receiver. I mean, he was a full three down back at a smaller school, but he was getting it done on the ground and through the air. He's a guy that if David Montgomery misses time, I think he's going to be DFS chalk week one. And he's a guy who, if you were drafting him as a zero RB candidate, you might have already got your first hit as a high RB two. Moving on to our next piece of news, the Dolphins wave running back Kalen Blage. Not awfully surprising. It's actually most surprising this didn't happen sooner in the summer, but I guess if you have these large rosters, you're allowed to have 80 men. Maybe you hold on to Kalen Blage for that reason. He was a 2018 fourth round pick, but he had just 74 rushes for 135 yards last year. That is insane. That yards per carry is incredibly low. I mean, it's not uh, it's not surprising that he's not a guy they wanted to hold on to. They acquired Jordan Howard in free agency. They traded for Matt Breida from San Francisco. I mean, when those two moves happened, you knew Bellage's days were numbered. This clears the path for both Breida and Howard to split that lead role in Miami. However, you know, the struggling offense, a weak offensive line, they could be going through a quarterback transition in the middle of the season. We don't want to buy into committee backs when they're not on a valuable offense. Sure, it makes sense to buy into a committee back on the Chiefs. It makes sense to buy into a committee back like Alvin Kamara on the Saints. But when you're going 
for the Dolphins offense. You need you either need all of the carries or you just don't buy these guys. So neither are awfully interesting. Kalen Blage's cut just frees up a handful of carries for those guys to split. Next, Seattle. Pete Carroll says he wants Carlos Hyde to be a big factor for us, but it's hard to see Carlos Hyde. I mean, yeah, the guy ran for a thousand yards, so maybe he could be. The role they've given Chris Carson in the past two years indicates that as long as Chris Carson is healthy, he is going to be a three down workhorse back. Maybe it's because Rashad Penny is still out and he is very likely to start the season on the pup list. So they can mean that, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde is a big factor as the primary backup, but it'd be surprising to see him get more than a handful of carries he is likely to be the number two handcuff, so maybe he's a guy who you're stashing if you buy Chris Carson, but overall, buying a dead roster spot when you're buying a handcuff without standalone value, especially a guy like Carlos Hyde, who's been passed around from Jacksonville to Cleveland to Houston to Seattle in recent years, seems like he is just a replacement level back. So for me, he's a handcuff that you can just pick up off the waiver wire if anything happens to Chris Carson. Last piece of news, and then we're all cut up. All of training camp up until today. Thursday the 27th is caught up, so we'll be going completely daily here. Jordan Love showing no signs of usurping Aaron Rodgers anytime soon. The Athletics' Matt Schneidman wrote that the first-round quarterback, Jordan Love, has yet to even provide a glimpse at why the Packers traded up to draft him. This is hilarious and not awfully surprising. Love was noted as a complete project at the position when he declared for the NFL draft. In his final college season, Love completed just 61% of his pass attempts at Utah State, and averaged 6.4 adjusted yards per attempt. That AYA is so low because he threw 17 interceptions and just 20 touchdowns. He was a completely erratic passer, and he doesn't provide a ton in the rushing game, at least in the sense of his college stats didn't show it. Never topped 200 yards, did have seven touchdowns in his penultimate college season, but really if he's just punching in from the end zone, unless he's a, a Josh Allen type transition where Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen doesn't run the football a lot, then Bill's quarterback Josh Allen really goes off, unless he makes that transition Love is just going to be this guy who throws interceptions left and right, maybe makes some deep plays like a Josh Allen, but just not at the rate that it's worth the mistakes he's making. So it seems like for the next few years, Aaron Rodgers is still the starting quarterback, and it seems like the Packers may have just thrown away a first-round pick. Not what you want to see when you're getting the final seasons of Aaron Rodgers in his prime. Everyone, that is going to do it for the Osmo NFL Daily Newsroom. I have been your host, Kyle DeForcheck. Find me on Twitter at KyleTweets here, and make sure again you go and check out Osmo.com forward slash fantasy dash football. $29.95 for the draft kit gets you a $35 code to the FFPC. It is a free draft kit if you use that code and sign up for a league at the FFPC. And of course, you get access to a bunch of awesome stuff. Our fantasy football rankings that I've mentioned here, the draft wingman to help you build optimal best ball and season long teams, and all of our cheat sheets and our strength of schedule tools. So much more. So go ahead and check that out. Again, Osmo.com forward slash fantasy dash football. We'll catch you tomorrow. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.